Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us on SST, on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's 2021 officially now. It's crazy out there. It's crazy out there. <laughs> there is something, though, that we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about that craziness. We're talking about something specific that's exciting. It's very exciting to do with New York sports. And uh, joining me to talk about that thing, if you don't know what it is, you'll know in a minute. But first and foremost, my co-host, Andrew Kalanya. It's been a while. How you doing, brother? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. I'm really excited to break down the, the big baseball news of the day. Greg Allen to the Yankees. <laughs> Who? Greg Allen Who? from the Padres. Big trade. Do big I, trade today. Is that somebody? New York's. I should actually know or no? Or are you joking? I know you. No, he's no. It's a, it's a real guy. He's like a like a fifth outfielder for the Yankees. Okay. No, I'm saying is it somebody I should actually know? I'm sure it's a real. No, person. no, 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 no. Okay. Well, I will say this: you've been itching. It's, we were just discussing before we started recording. Uh, when was the last time we did the baseball pod? Alec is not with us today, by the way. He's uh, you know, he's he's too cool. <laughs> he's, he's better than us. He thinks he's better than us. He's too cool for school. He came in second place in fantasy. Lost to me. I don't know. Maybe he's scared. I don't know what what's his deal over there. He's too hyped up on the Knicks, too sad about the Giants. I can't yeah. figure it out. Um, he's not in base. He's not in baseball mode yet. He's not. He's definitely not. He is really, really hyped up on the Knicks. I'm a little sad he's not here because him and I were going to do a Knicks uh, little segment as well. But we're obviously here. I didn't even say it yet. We're obviously here to talk about Francisco Lindor to the New York Mets. What an exciting, exciting move to take place in Uncle Stevie's first year as owner of the New York Mets. Uh, and Sandy Alderson, is he officially the GM? Is he the lone shark there? Well, the president of uh, baseball operations, because they hired the the guy from the Padres, or uh, the Diamondbacks uh, a couple weeks ago. Right, okay. Uh, but Sandy's probably yeah. pulling most of the strings at this yeah. moment in time. For, yeah, right? I, I, would have to, I would think so. So to give Steve Cohen credit, uh, probably would be unfair if we didn't mention Sandy Alderson as well. We're obviously going to get into it, but we were talking before um, the pod it's been six, since October since we recorded a podcast about baseball. And, I mean, obviously, you know, baseball hasn't been going on. We've had football. We now have basketball. And you were itching, Andrew, to get back and talk some baseball. You were waiting for the stove to heat up. Is this as hot as it gets? I, I think so. I think this is the biggest uh, move of the MLB offseason. I think it's going to be the biggest uh, biggest trade, in the, you know, the biggest uh, thing that moves the needle. Uh, you know, I was itching to talk baseball uh, weeks ago. I wanted to, I wanted to break down the Lance Lynn trade to the to the Chicago White Sox, but nobody wants to hear about that. But uh, <laughs> ain't nobody uh, got time for that during football no, season. Nope. nope. Oh man, yeah. So I, honestly, if you ask me about some of the other moves that happened, I know like Blake Snell went to San Diego, uh, which is a nice move for them. I'm sure there's been some other moves that you definitely you dar- know. Oh, you, you dar- Darvish from you Darvish from the. Yep. Where did he, the Cubs he went to the Padres? To- Went to the Padres as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. saying. See, I, I've just, you know, hands up, have not been locked into baseball. It's it's tough. And there hasn't been that many many moves anyway. I always, you know, joke around. It used to be called the hot stove in baseball. It's now like the lukewarm 
you know, microwave yeah. or something like, no, Listen, I don't even know what to call it at this point. No, it's, it's terrible. Like literally the fourth, if you, if you search by Yankees on MLB trade rumors right now, the third page, the third article that comes up, like the most recent article is Phil Hughes announcing his retirement. <laughs> oh gosh. Like, that's, that's how, that's how the news, that's how much news, uh, baseball, baseball news there is, uh, currently it's just, it's just dead. Cause it's a big problem because, uh, MLB can't decide if they want to have the DH. They can't decide a start date. They can't decide how long the season's going to be. And everyone's kind of in this holding pattern, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the rules are going to be. And it's just, it's just a mess. Typical Rob Manfred led MLB uh, nonsense. So, uh, but I'm just happy that we actually, we have a big blockbuster move to, to break down into actually some actual baseball to talk about. Absolutely. And that's, it's so exciting to talk about what happened here with the Mets and, uh, like, did you mention the DH is not agreed upon yet? I thought that would have been the one and only thing that everybody in the world was like, oh, wait, why are we not always doing this? Like, yeah, that, it's serious. not official yet, you're saying to me? No, it's it's not. Well, Manfred told the teams to operate as if the DH will not be in the in the National League, but I, I think it's just posturing at this point uh, to see if the players association will blink and make some kind of concessions about the number of playoff teams. And again, nobody, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody yeah. like, this is not how you get, get fans to be, you know, to get excited about the season, about more squabbles uh, between the players and the owners. Like it's uh, so I'm so sick of it already. Yeah, I hear that. And uh, with that being said, I think it's time to officially get into the Francisco Lindor New York Mets conversation here. Do you have the exact trade uh, in front of you for you to read? Because it's a, it's just more authentic coming from you because you know it better than me. And B, I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now. I, do, do you I have do. the official trade? I have the official trade. I have MLB trade rumors up right here. So it's uh, the Mets acquired Francisco Lindor and right-hand pitcher Carlos Carrasco. Uh, for shortstop Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and two pair of uh, Mets prospects, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. Um, Isaiah Green and Josh Wolf are not top prospects for the Mets. Um, they're they, in the midseason uh, prospect rankings from Fangraphs. They ranked uh, 14th and 16th, respectively. And now, you know, and that's in a terrible Mets farm system. Uh, admittedly by the Mets, a terrible uh, farm system. Steve Cohen even came out and said that uh, that the Mets really need to build that depth up and build up the farm system. They really want to be, you know, basically they want to be the Dodgers. Uh, and now they trade those guys away to the Twins, uh, to the to the Indians who have a much better farm system. They're ranked uh, 27th and 28th in, the, in their top 30. So again, not great guys, uh, kind of lottery ticket guys that the Mets sent over. And then they sent over two okay everyday players and got – a legitimate superstar and a, a great mid rotation piece to uh, compliment to Grom, uh, Peterson, Stroman. Uh, hopefully, uh, Thor comes back healthy and, mm -hmm. um, you know, pretty set up. Yes, for sure. And we'll talk about, you know, Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario and what they mean, you know, leaving New York. And then obviously what uh, Lindor and Carrasco can bring to the table here. But let's get down to the real business first. Now that this Lindor trade is through, the next uh, a piece of business is to get the black jerseys back for the Mets, right? <laughs> Absolutely, Steve. That's 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 a that's the first thing that Steve Cohen uh, tweeted out today. He said, "I know we're all excited about this trade, but let's talk about the black jerseys." And then they uh, immediately someone mocked up uh, Lindor in the black jersey, and it was like Chef's kiss. Like, wow, it was beautiful. 
Yeah, absolutely it, beautiful. It looked perfect. It really, really did. It reminds me of those mid two thousands Mets teams off the jump where they were actually really good and competitive. And it just brings me back to a good place of Mets baseball. Uh, but how about Uncle Steve, man? Just being a character on social media. He's not here just to like own a baseball team. He's here to be a part of your life. <laughs> if that's not saying yeah. it too dramatically. Listen, the, the guy has everything, literally everything in the world. The guy spent $180 million on some like ridiculous wired sculpture that people called him out on. He's like, I have no idea why he did that. He just did it for shits and giggles. And like, all, all he wants to do is like be beloved. And like, he's running a baseball team. How like you or I would run a baseball team. He just wants to be competitive. He wants to have fun. He wants to make it fun. Like he wants to turn Bobby Bonilla a day from a, a laughing stop into like a, a, a big fun ceremony where they give him a gigantic <laughs> check onto the field. Like he's like every, like, I don't know what, I guess the Mets, you know, being the Mets, like, uh, you know, all the torment and all the heartbreak and all, all the nonsense they've gone through the LOL Mets and all this stuff. So I guess they, I guess you guys deserve it. Now there's some good fortune and some like, a, like probably the best owner in baseball to come your way now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm fine with leaning into goofy. Because he he's got a little bit of a goofiness to him, but it's yeah. it seems genuine and it seems like he's he's genuinely happy to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's was, like he was he was he was standing outside in in the cold weather in December, handing out bobbleheads to to people outside of uh, City Field. Right. Like the guy the guy just wants to be liked, and he wants to you know. He wants to have fun. And he wants to be a part to... of something, which is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's kind of, it's reminiscent of us playing, you know, like a franchise mode in be the show is how he's kind of going mm -hmm. about it right now. He's letting it rip and that's very fun. And obviously when it comes to owners in New York, obviously Dolan will always come up and come into play, right? And the Wilpons mm -hmm. and the Dolans are both looked at as terrible, but they're very different types of terrible. People hate Dolan mm -hmm. for who he is and whatnot, but you can never take away from Dolan that he didn't want to win or that he didn't try. He just made really bad decisions, right? It's, it's a very different thing where the Wilpons were like not even trying and they were afraid to make big moves and they didn't have the money to spend and they wouldn't let it rip, right? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a complete opposite of Dolan. You can't even compare the Wilpons to Dolan because Dolan tried. He spent all the money in the world. He just made really bad decisions. The Wilpons didn't even try. Now we have Steve Cohen. Looks like he's trying to spend the money in the world and... So far, so good as far as decisions making. So let's get to it. And it's and it's not even like he wants to just throw money around and like sign all these bad contracts and stuff. Right. Like he's letting the baseball people like make smart moves. And he's talking about building up the farm system. He basically wants to turn the Mets into what the Dodgers are doing. You have you can have a high payroll, but you can also turn out all these all these these prospects and all these depth pieces that turn into everyday players. They want to be able to churn those guys out so you can be able to spend big money on a free agent like the Dodgers just did. They gave Mookie, they were able to trade for Mookie Betts and give him a $350 million contract. And like what the Mets, what the Mets just do, they traded for a superstar and they'll probably, uh, I, I hope that they're, they'll extend him and give him a 200 something million dollar deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it's just such a breath of fresh air. It really, really is. Um, but, yeah. but moving on to, the uh the the Lindor and Carrasco trade. I think it's a little uh, fair to make sure you bring the Carrasco part of the trade into it. Do you want to talk about those two new acquisitions first, or do we want to talk about the people leaving first? Because we didn't really come up with a plan I, before that. Yeah, I guess we could we could talk about the people leaving before. Uh, cool. You know, give give them their give them their uh, respect. Yes, and I vibe with that perfectly as well. I was kind of thinking the same thing. I wanted to get your your opinion. So so let's start with the Med Rosario. 
And this reminds me of a conversation that uh, Alec, you and I had in our little group chat earlier today where Alec was saying, you know, of course he's going to be a Debbie Downer now too. I get to call him out because he's not here. I would actually, I would call him out if he was here anyway, but besides the point, he was saying, oh, you're getting rid of two very good players or two high-end players. And I think that's lofty. I think he thinks that's lofty. He's just trying to be a Debbie Downer. But there are people who are Mets fans who look at Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez as people you really like, right? So first with Ahmed Rosario, though, his glaring, glaring problem as a hitter remained intact last year in the shortened season. His on-base percentage is abysmal. He cannot get walked to save his life. He only got walked four times in 46 games, and his on-base percentage was 20 points higher than his average, 252, 272. So very ugly. Terrible. And uh, is that something... So when you see Ahmed get brought into this trade, your initial reaction was, damn, that's a tough loss in the trade, or we're we're fine? Or not that you're a (laughs) Mets fan, but you know what I mean? No, I I think, you know, I think he's a, a good everyday player uh, and i think jimenez is a is a good everyday player but i think you don't blink for two seconds and they say oh include those guys in for francisco lindor like the best the absolute best case scenario is ahmed rosario turns into 80 percent of what francisco lindor is currently mm. and that's and francisco and, and and lindor doesn't even walk that much like he he walks more than rosario does but he's not like he's he has like a 400 on base percentage you know it's in like the 340s which is still very good especially for someone who hits 30 home runs but again rosario is a great defender and you know he's a once top prospect for for the mets and he had a lot of hype coming up but again this the bat just just not there and i don't think it's ever going to be there i think he'll still carve out as a as a decent major league player uh you know on a on a bad cleveland team but uh you know Again, it's not it's not somebody the Mets are going to miss, especially if they'd be able to lock up Lindor uh, long term. Yeah, and another part of it too, and this is more of like a a narrative style thing that you know I think of. He's kind of a part of like this old regime now, um, where yeah. if you look at this new regime, and there's a lot of hope, and there's now going to be a good bit of expectation as well. He's kind of like the last of the pieces that had great expectation coming into his career, and didn't quite make it. Right, like he was a top prospect, not just on the Mets, but in baseball. He yeah, was looked at as top top ten prospect. Right, he was looked at as an absolute stud, and it just didn't come to fruition. And sometimes it's okay to move on from that. And if he goes to Cleveland and you know makes an All Star appearance or two, which again would be pretty lofty, I think, as far as expectations for him, you live with it and you move on. You just grabbed a really really good baseball player, an awesome baseball player in Francisco Lindor. Yeah. So I agree with you completely. But uh, yeah. on to Andres Jimenez, where this one's a little more interesting. He was a first-year yeah. guy for the Mets last year. He batted yeah. 260, 333 on-base percentage. You know, nothing crazy, but was one of those guys who, as a fan, you looked at and go, damn, this guy makes winning plays. He's an energizer. Yeah. He can play all over the field. He Stole a lot of bases. He was doing all those things that fans like really, really love. But again, Francisco Lindor, is there even a blink of the eye with Andres Jimenez? What's his ceiling? No, it's a former top 100 prospect uh, in the majors. But, like, again, the Mets farm system isn't very good. And he was in the the middle. I think he was, like, eight in the midseason. Again, and the Mets don't have a strong – again, you're talking about projecting out a, a young defensive first guy 
uh, who's speedy, uh, you know, again, a nice, a nice player, a nice, uh, you know, potentially everyday player, but again, Francisco Lindor, it's not like Francisco Lindor is like 33 years old. The guys just turned like 27, like uh, a couple weeks ago. So you're going to have him his age prime of his career. And if you lock him up to a, you know, a lengthy year, you're going to basically get his entire prime of his, of his career. You trade again, if you're just taking on money and you're trading away decent players, not great players, they didn't trade any of their top 10 prospects or any of their top five prospects. They still kept their, uh, their, their, uh, their top prospects, a shortstop. I forget. I had named slips my, uh, that's my mind for a second here, but the you Mets. didn't give up any of these, any of these top guys to, to get him. So again, it, I, there's, there's almost no downside uh, for the Mets in this deal. Now that leads to the question, because someone might be listening like, all right, you know, why is it so obvious that this is such a great trade? Why? And I think we all know the answer and people listening probably know the answer, but put it into words for us. Why are the Indians doing this? Oh, it's just to save money. Uh, so now that they got rid of, it's just straight salary dump. It's uh, it's what a lot of the other teams have been doing around baseball. You saw the Rays do it with Snell, and he was only making uh, like $9 million. They traded him. Uh, the Cubs traded uh, Hugh Darvish, and he, he was owed like 60-something million dollars left. Uh, and Lindor was, uh, it was you know, he's going to be a free agent next year, so you hope that the Mets lock him up. So he was, he was due to make, I think, $24, $25 million, and it was just – I guess apparently too big for the Dolans. You want to talk about the Dolans? Oh, the boy. other Dolans. That's so true. The, the other Dolans own the uh, the Cleveland Indians. Too big for them to stomach. So they're just trying to save a little bit of uh, cash because apparently pandemics hitting everybody, everybody real hard. Yeah, except for Steve Cohen, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely sucks, and, and to be an Indians fan right now, you know, it, it must just be an absolute gut punch to have you know, a past, what, five years now where it's been a really solid, solid run. Yeah. You know, they, they yeah. coulda, shoulda, woulda won the World Series when they lost to the Cubs, I believe. That, mm-hmm. was, that was that one, right? Yeah. yeah. Right yeah. after the Cavs, the Cavs won the, the NBA Finals. They were yep. really good that year, really, really good. And they've been the very game, good game since. Seven, game seven of the World Series they went to. And I guess sometimes there are the markets and there are teams with certain ownership that – a five-year run may be all you get, and it's unfortunate in a sport like baseball that's not truly salary-capped, whereas, you know, you think about the Cleveland Cavaliers, they can still spend the max salary pretty much no matter what, right? There's a floor, yep. obviously, they have to hit, but they can they can fill that, that salary cap pretty easily, yep. right? Really, what yep. it comes down to in basketball is, oh, are you willing to pay the luxury tax or not? You know, for example... Like the the Lakers right now, maybe they're willing to pay the luxury tax. The Warriors yeah, a couple years ago, maybe so. they're willing. But in baseball, it's not quite the same breakdown. And you know, you look at a team that was really really good. Now it's time to pay everybody, and they're all gone. Just like the Royals, who also had a run, and then they're like, ah, we're not going to pay anybody. We're also probably not that good anyway. We were kind of lucky. Even, we but, got one, and we're good. But the thing is, it's like it's not even like they were they had this fire sale. Like they still have all the strong, you know. Even they trade away Carrasco, you still have Bieber, you still have Savali, you still have McKenzie, you still have a really strong rotation. You still had a, you know, they let Brad Hand go for like ten million dollars, which was that should have been the sign for everybody that uh, that there this fire sale was about to happen, um, or that that Lindor was going to be out the door. But like Lindor, you build around those you. you theoretically you should be building around 
Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber, who just came off a ridiculous Cy Young, shortened Cy Young season. Um, it's just, it's just very unfortunate that that this team, that this team that had talent that uh, you know made it to the playoffs last year, just decide, just you know, we're done. Not going to spend money. We'll uh, we'll tr- we'll see you in twenty twenty six. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sad, but dude, that's how it goes, right? Especially in baseball, it's not like these draft picks that you're getting are making an impact in two years. It sometimes it takes four years for them to even get to the league, if not longer. Uh, so, yeah. so that process can be quite an arduous one. But let's talk about Lindor as a player here. So, Mets fans obviously should know a little bit about the guy. He's been a stud for a bunch of years now, as you mentioned. He is uh, just turned twenty seven. Over. Over the past three regular-sized seasons, so obviously just not including the one that we just played that was shortened, he played 159, 158, and 143 games, over 30 home runs in each of those seasons, um, and over over 270, like, you know, averaging about the 275, 277 range for average, a 340, 350 on base percentage with some pop, and we know he can play play the field as well. Uh, what makes this, yeah? What makes this guy yeah. so special, though? Yeah, it's he's just uh, he makes it look so effortless on uh, defense. Again, he's the Gold Glove shortstop. He's a Silver Slugger, uh, winning shortstop. Again, switch hitter. Guy's so slick in the field. He makes every even the the most toughest plays just look so routine. It's kind of kind of uh, reminds me how Cano was uh, back in the early Yankee mm-hmm. days. How he just make like everyone said, oh, he's just being lazy, but like he just made every play just so effortless in the field. And then plus he, and now there's not a whole lot. I know everybody's hitting home runs now, but like there are very few shortstops that, that hit the type of home runs that Lindor does. And again, switch hitter, you could play, play anywhere. Uh, Just, it's such a, such an exciting player to watch uh, every day. And I'm very jealous uh, that the Mets were able to pull this off. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's really exciting. And and part of the numbers I just read for him over the past couple of years are even selling him short as far as averages, his career batting average, 285, his career OBP is 340, 346. So a little bit more of a contact guy early in his career when he was 21, 22. And then all of a sudden turns around with some booms in 2017, 33 home runs as a switch hitter. Like that is incredibly rare. I feel like something with switch hitters, you know, there we have we're lucky enough in today's day and age that there's enough with like serious pop. But isn't it kind of crazy to you that there's no switch hitters who have like like that serious, serious next level home run count? Like yeah. it's it's kind of wild to me, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, it's just like and and to uh, again to do it all at a an absolute premium position in shortstop and like be the be the kind of you know, I, I still think the ground is the face of the franchise but uh, i think francisco Lindor. i think he's going to be on every billboard every every you know, he's going to be the the jer- the hot number one jersey seller for the for the team it's 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 a very exciting move for for them yeah it really is and and that picture of him in the black jersey uh um, oh, it's beautiful like, it just the energy that that brought to me as a mets fan like looking forward to the season already is something that I basically just don't get very often. Like, for for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people, if you're a huge football fan, if you're a basketball fan, you know, you're, it's not like you're going to, you know, what's it called? You're going to, you know, look over every single update from 
the local reporters throughout the offseason. Mm-hmm. You're not counting down days till pitchers and catchers. Like you're just looking forward to the season when it comes, it comes. But something like this happens and it kind of changes the whole attitude around the team. And that's yeah. something they desperately needed. Um, in regards to his teammate, Carlos Carrasco, who's come over in this trade as well, he's had a very good career and, you know, maybe a little bit up and down in a few moments of his career. But what are what should Met fans be expecting with Carrasco? Carrasco has been a been a huge innings eater for uh, and it's not it's, it, when I say innings eater that usually brings like a negative uh, connotation with it, saying like oh this is just a back end of the rotation guy that just gives you innings and gives up like four or five runs a game now. But uh, you know up until uh, twenty eighteen he was putting up a uh, hundred hundred eighty three hundred fifty two hundred hundred ninety two innings a year. Uh, striking out a good uh, over 200 uh, guys ERAs in the in the mid threes. He had a down year in uh, in 2019 because uh, he actually had cancer. Mm. So I think you can uh, explain that away a little bit. Yeah, um, it probably didn't help him out on the mound. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think cancer is a, a that's a, a detriment to uh, any athlete. Uh, hot take. Uh, <laughs> And then last year, you know, he rebounded from cancer to 2.0 ERA, uh, 82 strikeouts in 68 innings. Again, he was a reliable number two starter for Cleveland, and I expect him to be the same for the Mets. I, I There's not much more for me to add there. Is he is he a wicked uh, curveball or wicked slider guy? I kind of forget. Uh, I feel like he's got a nasty hook. Yeah. I, I forget yes. if it's a, a true curve or a slider off the top of my head. I believe I believe it's the curve. I believe you're correct. I think it's the curve, right? Yeah, because now the slider yes. is the is the you know the hot commodity amongst pitchers mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. Carrasco's got a little more loop in that thing, and and he's got some some spicy pitches that'll be very exciting. And when you think mm-hmm. about this Mets team, you think about the rotation that's been such a huge strength for us last year. That was so so not the case. So no. to make this trade that is deemed the Francisco Lindor trade as it probably should be, which is awesome. But to bring now a guy who's been a part of a really successful rotation and a big reason why the rotation was so successful, to go with DeGrom and whoever else would be in the rotation like you outlined before, like that is incredibly huge because last year, you know, David Peterson might have been the Mm -hmm. second best starting pitcher on the Mets, and that's not not the recipe that you should be looking for. No, David Peterson's a nice pitcher. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he had a he had a nice rookie season, but now you basically you're replacing Rick Porcello and Michael Waka with uh, Carrasco and Stroman, which are it's two gigantic upgrades for the Mets. And I think this takes them out now with Carrasco coming in. I think that takes them out of the Bauer sweepstakes, mm-hmm. um, which I'm I'm personally fine with. And and uh, another thing about Carrasco and Lindor didn't bring up before the two very likable, like huge clubhouse guys. So I think you'll, I think you'll fans will love seeing them out in the field. And I think he'll jive really well with the guys they already have in the clubhouse there, where if you're bringing in a Trevor Bauer, mm. it's not really uh, a likable sort of guy. And, you know, I think that's, that's part of the reason why he's still a free agent at the moment. Like he's kind of a dick. And it's crazy because he's, like, so, so good. He had, like, an incredible season last year. And and it's weird. You know, in most sports, I would say perhaps football maybe even the most, maybe because there's so many guys, too. It's like, ah, this guy was a dick or this guy did that. Like, 
whatever, he can still rush the passer. Like, let's go, let's, mm-hmm. let's bring him in, you yeah. know, and in basketball and baseball, you can't do that. And it's kind of weird to me, but I guess the fact that there's, you know, 55 guys on a football team makes it a little bit different there. Um, yeah. But something I'm very curious about with Lindor here now, where do you think he plots into the lineup? And also, do you know where he was batting mostly in, in Cleveland? Was he batting like one or two? Yeah, it was three? two or three. Two or three? Uh, tip, two typically. So where do you see him slotting in with this lineup? Now, obviously, Robinson Cano, if you if you didn't know, don't you know, Robbie Cano <laughs> is out for the year because he's suspended from PEDs. Um, yeah, which Robbie. is just like, what? Come on, dude. Like, you know, you're like 37. Like, what's going on? Um, but, we're, you know, we still have Pete Alonzo. You still got uh, J.D. Davis and McNeil, Conforto, Dominic Smith. Smith. Where where does Lindor slot best to you with this lineup here? I think I – think, uh... You could slot him the same spot he's he was playing before. I think he's a he's a great number three hitter. If you want to bat him between uh, Alonzo and Dom Smith, uh, you know because those are two more pop guys, but uh, they strike out a little bit more. And you know Lindor makes a ton of contact, so you had give uh, the pitcher a different look for the batter. So they, it's not just you know kind of how like the Yankees they stack Stanton, Judge, Voit, and they're all you know the guys hit bombs but they all very strikeout prone at the same time so it'll give the the Mets lineup a, a slight different dynamic uh him batting between those two guys either batting uh two or three who leads off for the Mets this year I think it's gonna be Nimmo you think it was Nimmo? Nimmo? yeah, yeah Nimmo his on bases uh was through the roof yeah talk about the uh, opposite of Ahmed Rosario that dude walks like every yeah. single game he, he had 33 yeah. walks in 55 games last year yeah, crazy. Uh, on base percentage of uh, uh, 404. Career on base percentage of 390. Guy, the guy's a terrific leadoff hitter, and he's exactly who you, who you want there. And consistently just pisses off opposing fan bases when he sprints down to first base every time he gets mm-hmm. walked. <laughs> I know Alec absolutely hates it. He's like, I hate Brandon Nemo because he sprints every time he hits a home run. He sprints down to first if he's hit by a pitch or walk. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a try-hard move, but like, yeah, you know, if you heard him talk one time, you would expect nothing less. Uh, but yeah. si- since we're talking about the lineup and everything, you know, obviously Pete Alonso and Conforto are probably the two big names. You got J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil. Uh, who do you who do you look at though now? I know Pete is the natural answer for you know the one-two punch, but who else do you look at now in this lineup and say like, hey, if we can get a good season out of this guy, this lineup is now officially scary. I think the lineup was already true. <laughs> That's a good point. Was, it was pretty scary already. Yeah, it was. It was you know again, and they got basically nothing from the cashing position last year, and they got nothing from shortstop last year, and now you got you brought in McCann. Uh, again, I don't think he's a great hitter, but he's definitely above average hitter, and you brought in Francisco Lindor. It's like again, you're McNeil, Alonzo, Lindor, JD Davis. And then you have Dom Smith. I I really hope that the DH comes back to uh, the NL because oh, come on, Dom we need Smith playing play, Dom Smith playing the field is going to be it's going to be a disaster. Well, it, honestly, though, he wasn't as bad as I expected. Like he, I feel like he made yeah. strides in in the outfield got, and at first better. base. He wasn't bad either, but he's not going to play first base, obviously. No. So and then also it just sucks because now you got Conforto, you got Nimmo. Uh, and then between J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, and Lindor, I guess, are they, is there another infielder that I'm missing now? I guess our other infielder just got traded away to Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, both of the, both, you know, Jimenez and Rosario both 
both gone. So right. But does I it make sense to slot Dom Smith in as the everyday left fielder? Left fielder? Like that feels so. kind of weird. Who's the, who's the other outfielder? You know, you have Nimmo Conforto and looking on uh, Mets.com. I don't. Well, I guess last year it was McNeil, really. McNeil played yeah. in our outfield because of Cannell. McNeil, the the only that uh, J.D. Davis is listed as an outfielder currently. It's Conforto, J.D. Davis, Guillermo Heredia, and Brandon Nimmo are the outfielders at the moment. Was Todd Frazier starting at third base again? Shit. No, he's a free agent. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. Uh, still Luis, Gilmore, Luis Gilmore is the backup shortstop. So I mean, you you lost the Mets lost a little bit of depth. Mm. Um, you know, so God forbid something happens to Lindor, you know, you're you're kind of you're a little bit of a hole that shorts up. But uh, again, I don't think you have to worry about that. Lindor has been healthy his entire career, so that's not it's not like you you trade for this injury prone guy. But um, you know, you're not really worried about that in 2021. Um, so yeah. I wouldn't. It's not, not a concern of mine at the moment but good yes and i'm glad and you know what then this is the last thing i guess we got to touch on here because you know we're trying to keep this one relatively short already at 30 minutes here but Mm. let's let's talk about this last little topic here before we say goodbye andrew um expectation is a thing with the new york mets that i know mets fans you know beat themselves up over because it seems to me as a mets fan high expectation is due for a big letdown Low expectation, you get some nice seasons where you can really, you know, find yourself vibing with a team team and, and rooting for them extra hard and being like, all right, we got something, we got some juice. So now with this trade, with what the offense became last year, with what the rotation looks like it could be back to this year, where does the expectation go for this Mets team? And could it be a dangerous expectation that's a little too lofty? Yeah, that's that's the thing. If the Mets didn't make this trade, I think you could go in if they just went out and uh, maybe they signed Springer or somebody like that. Um, I think you could go in with, you know, feeling really good about the team being like, OK, they're they're, they're a playoff contender. Um, but now you, you're trading for a, a franchise cornerstone player, and especially if they extend him now, too. That's basically saying the window's open. We're trying to win today. Um, so, and I know the Braves have gotten better. They, they got, uh, Charlie Morton, um, the Marlins, uh, they're, they're upstart kind of guys, the Phillies, if they re-sign Real Muto that, you know, they're, uh, and then plus you're, you have Washington who, uh, who trade for Josh Bell, um, mm. you know, so they're not going to be, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be a competitive division again, but I think with this trade, I think this makes, uh, the Mets uh, a very strong favorite for the NL East crown. I, at least it, 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 if they finished lower than second place, I think it would be a really disappointing season for them. I tend to agree, even though I did get a text from a dear friend of mine who's a diehard Mets fan. Uh, he said, right when the text was shot out in our group chat, he goes, yes, now we're a lock for the third wild card, <laughs> 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 which is just like a classic, you know, you know, under under the uh, tongue in cheek, you know, comment for a Mets fan to make because you, you, he knows the hype gets way too high. But he's saying in reality, no matter how high the hype gets for a Mets fan, 
you know, it doesn't tend to work out in our favor. But hopefully, yeah. we're on to a new age, the Stevie Cohen age. So who knows? And I don't, and I don't think the Mets are done either. Um, you know, the payroll now is in like the one sixties range uh, at the at the moment, one sixties, one seventies. So they still have, you know, uh, Cohen said he's comfortable going over the luxury tax if if you know if they if it's for the right player. So again. I don't expect them to go out and sign Bauer now, but I still think they're in. They're they're going to be finalists for Springer uh, mm, at least. That would be exciting. And sign with Toronto, and I, then there's your center fielder, and then you can switch. Then you can slide over Nimmo to uh, left field, which I think is a better position for him. And then you pray to God that uh, the DH is coming, and you can put Dom Smith there. Man, um, the and then they could add so a couple more depth pieces again to shore up. Uh, you know, you don't want Gilmore being your backup shortstop. I'm sure they'll sign like a veteran of some kind and um, maybe add another piece of the bullpen. But at the the top to bottom, I think uh, they're looking looking pretty good. Pretty pretty, as Larry Day would say, <laughs> pretty pretty good. Oh man, that's exciting, but it makes me so I get like a pit in my stomach. I get so nervous when I think of high Mets expectations because I always expect expectations to not be met. And last year, yeah. I'll go back to it. My friend Anthony Labello, I played baseball with him for many, many years. He t- I, t- I was texting about him before the season started last year. I was like, "How you feeling about the Mets, man?" And he says, "Infuriatingly optimistic." Mm-hmm. I remember I, we said that last year. It was the most beautiful thing I ever heard. It was the perfect way to describe the Mets when they have one of these off seasons where it seems like an uptick, but this one feels a little bit different because that infuriating optimism last year really was true. It was in kind of infuriating optimism where the offense is really good. The pitching, which has been good for years is now not good. They're not winning enough games, whatever, but there were building blocks last year. And if those yeah, blocks but, work and, out, and, we can see those the, come to fruition. The, and again, we uh, we're kind of going full circle here, but the X factor is Steve Cohen. Right. It's it's because if, if the Mets need a piece at the deadline, and they have to absorb some salary to do it, it's a done deal. It's that's it. That they don't have to worry about, you know, uh, can can the 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 will ponds afford to to go on a third vacation this year uh, <laughs> instead instead of getting uh, that extra reliever that they desperately needed, so. You know, I think that's the real big difference. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure we were pretty optimistic about the Mets going into last year, too, because their offense was was great. And you would say the pitching stays healthy and yeah, and yeah, 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 the same song and dance all over again. But I think the X factor is, is, is an owner that's a willing to spend and be willing to let the front office uh, make the the correct choices, not for t- not for just today, but for the future as well. So. Um, it's a very, it's a very great day to be a Mets fan. It's a terrible day to be a Yankees fan mm. because it's the type of train that they used to make. Um, but, mm. uh, I will let, I will let the Mets have, have their day. Oh, that's very nice of you. I knew, Al- I know Alec would not do that. No, he, would, he would never say that. But how about this? How about this, Andrew? Cause we're about to close out as we do on every episode of Subway Sports Talk, Andrew Kalanya, Pete Kennedy. It's time for last words. How about for your last words? If you so choose. Sound off on the Yankees for a minute. It's up to you. You can use anything. It's 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 in it's infuriating to watch the again to watch the Mets make a move that the Yankees used to make those type of moves. They used to just take on salary on get top end talent, just take absorb salary. And now we're sitting around waiting for uh, DJ LeMahieu. And now the you know the only option that I was 
seriously comfortable with if they let DJ walk uh, to replace him was Francisco Lindor. So they basically need to re-sign LeMahieu now or else it's going to be an absolute disaster of an offseason. Uh, and there was a joke on uh, on Twitter today that said, uh, I'll, I'll pull, pull it up for one second here. Uh, hey, uh, excuse, uh, hold on, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Oh, hi, Frangrafts. Yes, I'm looking at the Yankees roster uh, resource page, and I'm a little confused. I keep refreshing the page, and it still says Tyler Wade <laughs> is the starting second baseman, and Jordan Montgomery is the number two starter. Uh, just wondering when this is going to get fixed. Oh, gosh. At Brian Cashman. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, as a Mets fan, as just a baseball fan, as a guy, I, I, I root for the Yankees a bit. You know, you know that. I'm not a big hater. Yeah. I love to poke fun when I get the opportunity, which is not that often. But why is LeMahieu just not getting – like a blank check. You know what I'm saying? Like he's been absolutely yeah. outrageously good for them. Maybe it's the years. Is that the, is that the word in the street right now? It's the years, yeah. not the money right well, now. Cause he's, cause he's 30, cause he's 32. They, right. He wants, he wants five years. And he's want to give him four. Oh God. It drives me insane when it's that like, that's apparently like the Dak Prescott that's, situation is apparently yeah. they've been agree, uh, been agreed on money the whole time, but they want Dak to be signed in for five years. He wants four because then he wants to be able to re up and whatever. I'm just like, yo, come on, let's get it done. I don't really care about the Dak thing as much, I guess, because I'm, you know, heck the Cowboys. But with the Yankees, a team that I like to see do good because New York sports needs good teams, uh, let's Mm -hmm. get LeMahieu on the damn Yankees. It's pretty simple. Let's make sure that happens. Otherwise, that'll be a moment of absolute madness and not the good kind. It'll be yeah, the, the antithesis of what happens. You'll get Alec on here. It'll be a real, be a real shit show. You guys might just rant. both cry on camera for the for 40 <laughs> minutes. Um, but yes, very good on your last words. And we will obviously cover other baseball stuff and Yankee stuff when things happen, whenever that may be. And when we find out like when the season's going to start and all that stuff too. So yep. that'll all be touched on. For my last words, it's important to mention the other New York team who's feeling mighty hot about themselves right now, the New York Knicks, Andrew. How good do we feel about the New York Knicks? Uh, five and three, baby. Five <laughs> and three. Okay, so let me say this. Some Knicks fans are, like, really, really excited. Really, really, really excited. And I think you should just be really excited. It sounds like a little bit of a difference there, but, like, it's important to understand it's eight games, eight games. And yes, I know they beat the Bucks, They beat the Pacers. They beat the Jazz. They beat the Hawks teams that are in theory better than them. And they're playing above their head, but that's exactly my point. They are playing above their head. Do you think Julius Randall is a true 22 point, 10 rebound, seven assist guy? Maybe I'm raising, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying no, <laughs> no, right. He hasn't been. Could he be? Sure. I hope I'm I'm wrong, but I think he regresses a bit. The points and rebounds probably stay the same. Is he going to average eight assists a game throughout the rest of this year? Seven, assi- seven assists a game for a season is a incredibly high number. Like most point guards in the league don't average that, okay? So that's one. Two, R.J. Barrett is actually shooting surprisingly very inefficiently right now, <clears throat> but is playing very aggressive. He looks awesome. Like he's actually a type of thing where he can start shooting a little better. Maybe it starts looking better for his numbers, but he's been great to watch this year. So I'll give you RJ Barrett. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, these other guys are shooting off the charts. Austin Rivers just went off. I really like Austin Rivers. All these things are meshing perfectly right now is my point for the New York Knicks. 
you cannot get too excited about five and three. When we get to 20 games, 20 games, if they're, you know, 14 and six, that's really lofty. That's not going to happen. Then you get damn excited. But if they're, you know, 12 and eight, it's like, okay, this is still very good. We still really like this, but there's still, there's going to be slight regret. 12 and eight would actually be freaking awesome. I don't know what I'm saying right now. I'm just trying to make sure that you understand that 12 and eight is something to be excited about. 10 and 10 is something to be excited about. Goddamn 9 and 11, 8 and 12. Those are still things to be excited about. Don't start getting too hyped up when we're eight games into the season. It's only a recipe for for bad news. And I know if Alec was on here, if Kyle was on here, they might be telling me that I'm being, you know, too dramatic. I'm being too harsh right now. But there's one statistic I've been hearing on all the smart NBA podcasts I listen to, and it's to do with the opponents of the New York Knicks. Currently, opponents of the New York Knicks are shooting very poorly from three-point line. And the Knicks are allowing more three-point attempts than most teams in the league. So you combine those two things together. You slice you, Yeah, you throw in a little bit of regression to the mean, and all of a sudden, these comebacks are coming up a little bit short. The leads they're holding on to are going away a little bit quicker. So you have to just relax. You have to keep enjoying it and be excited. But let's not start talking playoffs until we get to like 20, 25 games here. Let's not start talking that the Knicks have flipped the script completely and are completely, you know, a great franchise all of a sudden until they don't absolutely blow it in the rest of the season. That's all I have to I, say. Yeah. Uh, I'll even I'll even throw some basketball, uh, some comments go, on baby. there. But, uh, you know, if you go into the season, you can't ex- just be happy that they're not a dumpster fire. At the end of the day, if they're not a dumpster fire, anything above that is is gravy. Right. To me, as a as a non basketball watching a casual Knicks fan, uh, you know that that got driven away from the sport due to just how how horrendous the Knicks have been. Um, yeah. So no, that's I'm, all. I'll say. I'm, just I'm be just be happy. Just be happy with what you have, and don't bite more than you can chew. I just don't want to see people get hurt, Andrew. I don't. Yeah. Want, I don't want to see people. Get You're a hurt. nice guy, Pete. It's a. Uh, it's just, it happens too far before. I keep seeing it's the best record since 2012, 2013, which is great. I'm excited. I want to watch them play every single night. Emmanuel, quickly, don't get me started. The guy's awesome. Like, there's a lot to be excited about right now. But let's not specify that excitement to playoffs, to a top six seed, to a better than this team, better than that team, better than this team, better than that team. Because it's just not guaranteed yet. And a lot of the teams that didn't go to the bubble are playing with a good energy right now. And some of these teams that went to the bubble and maybe made a run in the bubble, they're looking like a night on, night off. They got energy tonight. They don't tomorrow. So let's let this season settle out. Let's let the season really work itself out and see where the Knicks are landing, landing in the standings after 2025 games. But definitely reason for excitement. Anyways, that's it. Andrew Kalania. Yep. P. Kenny at underscore Swarles Barkley for Andrew Kalanya at P. Kennedy with two Y's for me at Subway Sports Talk on Instagram and Twitter. TLK on Twitter due to the character BS, but that's it. Our first baseball episode since October in the books. Woo! Francisco Lindor, a New York Met. Great excitement Let's... on its way to New York, baby. Let's go Mets. Subway Sports Talk. Cheers.